Hello guys, welcome back. Today we're going to be talking about a social approach study of Piliavin investigating Subway Samaritans. And before we start, please note that this revision podcast doesn't contain all the details of this study. The study discovers diffusion of responsibility which explains that more the witnesses, the less likely any one person will intervene. To further explain, in a large group, the perceived sense of individual responsibility towards those in need is diffused or reduced to the extent that people feel little obligation to intervene. Basically, the bystander effect, which is an attempt to explain why someone witnessing a crime would not help the victim. This originated from the Kitty Genovese incident where it sparked the curiosity of social psychologists. The incident involved a woman named Kitty Genovese who was followed from work and was killed. 38 witnesses saw or heard the attack, but none of them called or reported except for one witness who had called down to warn off her attacker as she screamed that she was being stabbed. This study investigates the psychology of helping behavior. It's also important to know the concept of pluralistic ignorance, which means a situation in which a majority of group members privately reject a norm but go along with it because they assume incorrectly that most others believe it too. The aim of Pilevin's study is to research about the bystander behavior in a natural setting and to investigate the effect of four situational variables on helping behavior, such as type of victim, race of victim, v- behavior of model, and the size of the group of bystanders. The directional hypothesis here was that an individual would be more inclined to help someone at his race than a person of another race. The IV here are the four situational variables stated in the aim of the study type of victim, race of victim, behavior of model, and the size of the group of bystanders. The DV was the amount of people who helped, the speed it took for them to help the victim. An independent group and the research method was a field experiment along with a bunch of different categories of observations consisting of participant, covered, and unstructured observation. Field experiment was used here because Pilavin believed previous laboratory experiments lacked ecological validity as they did not demonstrate how people would react in a realistic situation. Moving on to the samples, the estimated number was 4,450, around 45% were black and 55% were white. The mean number of passengers per carriage was 43 and the mean number of people in the critical area where the incident took place was 8.5. This used opportunity sampling in a New York subway where participants were passengers traveling on an underground service between Harlem and Bronx, operating during weekdays between 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. We say that it is opportunity sampling because they were unsolicited samples. The whole train ride lasted 7.5 minutes at approximately 70 seconds into the journey, the victim in this study, the victim is a suge, staggered forward, and collapsed. He remained lying on the floor, looking upwards. If he received no help, the model would help him to his feet at the next stop. Trials were split into the following five different conditions. Firstly, there was a critical early condition where a model stood in the critical area and waited 70 seconds to help the victim. Secondly, there was a critical late condition where a model stood in the critical area and waited 150 seconds to help the victim. Thirdly, there was an adjacent early condition where the model stood in an adjacent area and waited 70 seconds to help the victim. 
Fourthly, there was an adjacent late condition where a model stood in an adjacent area and waited 150 seconds to help the victim. Lastly, there was a no model condition where the model did not help the victim until after the trial was over and the train had reached the next stop. Okay, so the first step was all confederates to enter the train at the same time from different doors. Then the victim stood on the pole in the center of the critical area. Second step was to wait for the train to arrive at the first stop and then the victim would fall, staring at the ceiling. The model would wait for 70 seconds or 150 seconds for people to help the victim sit up. Depending on what conditions from the five different ones they were putting into action. Then the model and the victim would leave the station together, take the opposite side of the station, and repeat the field experiment. The results were interesting. Let's look at the quantitative results first. So overall, the frequency of helping recorded in the study was much higher than had previously been reported in lab studies. The majority of helpers were male. Nearly 80% of victims received spontaneous help meaning that they helped before the model intervened or in a non-model condition, and under 60% of cases, more than one person helped. There were key differences in the levels of helping between two different main conditions of the study. To start off, 62 out of 65 trials were successful in the cane or ill trials. The cane trials meaning when the victim had to seem ill with a cane. 19 out of 38 trials were successful in the drunk trials. In the cane trials, spontaneous helping also occurred earlier than in drunk trials. For example, in all, but three of the cane trials that were also model trials, which the helping occurred before the model could give assistance. That tells us that because of so many spontaneous helpers, there were not enough cases of the model helping to analyze the effects of the model and the only effect of the same race helping was observed in the drunk condition. You might be curious here, then what were the results for the different races in different conditions? Well, the white victim was helped 100% when in a cane condition with no model trials and with model trials. Whereas in a drunk condition, the victim was helped 100% with no model trial and 77% with model trial. Whereas the black victim was helped 100% in a no model cane trial, while the victim was also helped 73% in a no model drunk trial and 67% in a model drunk trial. Note here that the cane model trial wasn't run for the black victim. There were some qualitative results as well in terms of race, both black and white cane victims were equally likely to receive help, however, there was some minor evidence of same race helping in the drunk condition, with participants being more willing to offer help to those of their own race. In the drunken condition, black victims were found to receive less help overall. Although these results were non-significant, they would have supported research suggesting people are more likely to help those similar to themselves as they feel more empathy th towards the same race or alike people. Unfortunately, the effect of modeling was difficult to analyze because most of the help that occurred was spontaneous. However, it appeared that early model intervention at 70 seconds was slightly more likely to result in helping behavior compared to the waiting until 150 seconds had passed.
Unlike previous studies, this study surprisingly didn't find any evidence to support the diffusion of responsibility hypothesis. In fact, there was some evidence suggesting that when more passengers were present, rates of helping were also slightly higher. The group size was based on the number of people in the critical area. Natural groups were faster to respond than predicted, which means bigger groups actually had higher speeds. This directly contrasts the prediction of diffusion of responsibility, which could be because the more people present in the group, the higher the chance of a good Samaritan. In conclusion, an individual who appeared to be more ill received more aid than drunk, even when immediate help was needed. To continue, given mixed groups of men and women and a male victim, men were more likely to help than the woman. But again, the result might have been different if the victim was a female. And also, there were presence of cultural influences evident from the comments made by women saying, it's for men to help. We can assume that it's a societal norm. Given mixed racial groups, there was some tendency for same-race helping to be more frequent, which especially increased when the victim was drunk. Furthermore, there was no strong relationship between the number of bystanders and the speed of helping. We can assume this because the expected increased diffusion of responsibility with a greater number of bystanders was not obtained, which means that help was not less frequent or slower in coming from larger as compared to smaller groups of bystanders. Finally, we could conclude that the longer the emergency continued without help being offered, the less impact a model has on the helping behavior of the observers. And more likely it is that individuals will leave the immediate area to avoid the situation and that observers will discuss the incident and its implications for their behavior. One theory explains that emotional arousal like sympathy, concern, guilt will be higher if the more one can empathize with the victim, the closer one is to the emergency or the longer the state of emergency continues without the intervention of a helper. It also explains that the arousal can be reduced by helping directly, going to get help, leaving the scene of the emergency or rejecting the victim as undeserving of help. This also links to the cost-reward arousal model. To briefly talk about it, the cost of helping will be effort, embarrassment, possible undesirable experiences, possible physical harm, and the cost of not helping will be self-blame, guilt, perceived sense of disapproval from others. Okay, then how does this theory relate to the study of Piliavin? See, first of all, the drunk is helped less because costs for helping are higher, like greater disgust, and costs for not helping are lower, like less self-blame because the drunk victim is responsible for his own victimization because he got drunk. Second of all, the woman would help less because the costs for helping are higher in this situation Maybe they are busy, which requires the investment of their time and an effort to help, and costs for not helping are lower, like less censure or disapproval from others because of the societal norm during that time. Third of all, the same race helping, particularly of the drunk, can be explained by differential costs for not helping, like less censure if one is of the opposite race, and with the drunk, Differential costs for helping would be scarier if of a different race. 
Fourthly, diffusion of responsibility was not found on cane trials because the costs for helping were low and costs for not helping are high. All of the effects of time are also consistent with the model. The longer the emergency continued, the more likely it was that bystanders will be aroused, therefore having to choose among the possible responses. For instance, a late model will elicit less helping since people have already reduced their arousal by one of the other methods. Unless arousal was reduced by other methods, people would leave as more time goes on because arousal is still increasing. Bystanders will also discuss the incident in an attempt to reduce self-blame and arrive at the fourth resolution from the theory, namely a justification for not helping based on re rejection of the victim. There are two major factors that might have affected the helping behavior, situation and individual. For the situational factors, it might depend on the race, gender, condition of the victim, the group size, participants' proximity to the victim, model helping, and so on. For individuals, the gender race of the participants could have played a role too, followed by their sense of responsibility, sense of embarrassment, personality traits, etc. So this sums up the podcast for Piliavin study. Thank you for listening and see you in other episodes. Bye.